Welcome to the Optimal Body Podcast. I'm Doc Jen. And I'm Dr. Dom. And we are doctors of physical therapy, bringing you the body tips and physical therapy pearls of wisdom to help you begin to understand your body, relieve your pains and restrictions, and answer your questions. Along with expert guests, our goal of the Optimal Body Podcast is really to help you discover what optimal means within your own body. Let's dive in. Wow, getting such an incredible group into the Full Body Low Impact Plan. This is our Gen Health Community Challenge, and we're starting together August 1st, which just happens to be a Monday, a perfect time to start and take on a new challenge. This is going to be the Full Body Low Impact Plan that we have within the Gen Health platform. And when you take it on with us, every week I'm going to come on and educate on a different portion of the body. And this is only for our private community. So this is only for those who join or are on the Gen Health platform currently. And with this, we're going to give you the opportunity to win prizes because it wouldn't be a challenge and something to stick to if you didn't have that accountability and all of the prizes, all of the information just for signing up, you have the opportunity to win prizes. All of that information is going to be at gen.health slash low impact. No.com, nothing else, just gen.health slash low impact. Or you can check that link out in the show notes below so that you can easily just click and go sign up and get in with us. We start August 1st. I cannot wait. So coming up for this next interview, we have a great friend of ours, Jake Kaufman, and we're actually going to dive into personal development, which I'm pretty excited for because we haven't really touched directly on this in a podcast before. We've had people on who've talked about meditation and mindfulness, but this is going to be in kind of a different category in personal development. So Jake Kaufman is an executive business coach to seven and eight figure purpose-driven coaches, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. He supports other conscious entrepreneurs in expanding themselves personally so that they can exponentially grow professionally. He has coached hundreds of top online coaches, consultants, and CEOs to radically transform themselves and unlock their full potential in order to reach the next level of their purpose. His unique approach to high-performance coaching can be best described as the intersection between personal development and business strategy. So stay tuned. Jake talks a lot through what you can start to do yourself to identify some of these patterns in yourself, address them, and how that applies to your life, whether personally or professionally. Let's get to it. Hi, right, Jake. Thanks so much for taking time to come on with us. We're, we've been excited to get you on here. Another great friend of ours that we don't get to see nearly as much anymore now that you live across the country, but thanks for making the time. Oh, I know, Dom, Jen, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, we met actually going through some of the stuff we're going to be talking about <laughs> on this podcast and, and diving in a little bit deeper. But we we met in personal development work and taking that on and kind of experiencing a lot of that stuff together. So very interested to even know, you know, I think just starting to understand what does personal growth, personal development, you know, what does this even mean? <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. It's crazy to think, Jen. It's been like over four years since you and I first met. I actually remember our very first conversation. <laughs> oh my <Wow>. gosh. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, personal growth is, it's a huge hot topic nowadays, now more than ever, especially as we, the science reveals that, you know, our mental health and our physical health are so intricately connected and intertwined. And what drew you initially to even wanting to think about, you know, diving into this world of personal development or starting to take courses or like, what was that draw? 
Oh, man, that's a really good question. Well, I mean, uh, first and foremost, you know, you're talking to kind of a lifetime athlete, similar to the both of you. And so just the idea of improved performance over time is something that I've always been very passionate about going back to, you know, my early childhood when I when I started to play baseball and, you know, uh, started to compete on travel teams and play in high school and actually briefly played in college, uh, which Dom, I know, you know, you were a collegiate athlete as well. And so just the the broader concept of, of, of personal improvement or self-improvement over time is something that I was naturally drawn to as an athlete. But then after my playing career was over, that took the form of, you know, professional development and how personal development really sort of fostered improvement in, in that area specifically. And so for me, it was kind of just waking up to this idea that I was capable of so much more, that I was meant for so much more. Uh, that my potential, that our potential in many ways is is limitless. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that really serves to to get in the way of that are are the two primary things that I'm constantly talking about all the time with my clients, which are our beliefs and our identity, which of course are kind of the foundations, the foundation of all of our behaviors. Mm-hmm. Which no, is I where think, you guys come in. <laughs> absolutely, and I think that you touched on something super important right there, which is our identity. And a lot of people out there might be mm-hmm. might be listening and thinking like, well, personal growth, like like what is this? I mean, I've got a family, I've got a job that I go to, I've got my daily routine. I I've, yep. I've got it all down. I just go through the day and get done with the day and I'm happy with life and I'm content. Like how does somebody who is yep. in that space where they're they're comfortable in life, they're content, how do they mm-hmm. even start to approach like where where do I need to grow? How do I start to tease out those things inside me that might be barriers that I don't even know are there. Oh, that's a really great question, Dom. And I'm happy that you asked. I'm really happy that you asked it because when it comes to the world of high performance, which in many ways, you guys, I am in in the world of, of high performance or self-improvement. And I think so many times um, there's an overemphasis on, on performance uh, to the point to where there's this imbalance and, and there's a lack of overall contentment. So I think the sweet spot for many is, is to be content and practice contentment, but without being complacent, right? without allowing the, the rigors of life, as you kind of talked about, Dom, right? The, the responsibilities or the obligations that we do encounter and experience in everyday life cause us to become complacent in any one area, right? Because physical health, um, mental health, they're just, they're kind of only two facets of our overall health. You, there's emotional health, mm-hmm. there's spiritual health. So these are all things that kind of factor into our overall quality of life. But so many people, um, they, they fall asleep or they become prone to unconscious behavior, which is very normal, very human. Um, and they allow those things um, to cause them to become complacent and make excuses for why they can't have or do certain things. Mm. And so I think the sweet spot is, like I said, to, to be content with who I am and what I have now, but not to allow that to cause me to come to become complacent. And how identity factors into that is identity really an- serves to answer the question, uh, who am I? 
right? And so many of us going back to our early childhood, we unconsciously create and form this identity around this very primal need to be uh, loved, accepted, and admired. And of course, we then develop uh, patterns of behavior around that. So for a, a lot of people that both you and I coach, right? Because a lot of the people that we coach are high performers, athletes, entrepreneurs. They learn that success and achievement is an incredibly quick road to being loved, accepted, and, and admired. Mm -hmm. But of course, that can work against you um, because oftentimes, you know, our greatest skill is often an adaptation or an overcompensation to avoid experiencing pain. That's super fascinating and, and something that I hope people are starting to just question, right? Start to ask, well, what is my identity? What do I identify with? Do you have practices that people can start to just start to tap into this stuff? Like how do I start to identify what I identify with and where that might have come from for me? Mm, sure. Well, I think the pattern always, always reveals the problem. Um, similarly to the work that you do, right? Um, the work that I do is is very similar in essence. We we look at the symptoms, right, and we seek to identify the pattern that ultimately leads to a diagnosis. Right? What what is the the root cause problem? What's the disease? Mm -hmm. right? Because obviously, healthcare, um, especially in America. Um, is profoundly known to be overly concerned and focused on the treatment of symptoms yeah. and, and not the, the root cause of the issue, which I know you guys are super passionate about. Um, obviously, I have a ton of context because you're two very dear friends of mine, um, <laughs> right? But, but like so much of what you do is this holistic approach that seeks to I, identify uh, root cause problems. Uh, but of course, um, maintain in an effort to like prevent, right? We talk a lot about prevention, right? In order to prevent further injury um, or, or to prevent further issue. And so for, for clients who come to me um, who have challenges in, in their professional life, because the majority of my clientele are, are entrepreneurs, the, the first thing that we do is we identify the symptom right? The surface level issue or external issue. Um, and then we seek to identify the root of that issue, right? Because for many people, the issue, because we're dealing with the world of identity and beliefs here, right? The foundation, oftentimes it is in the limitations, the personal limiting beliefs or limitations that they experience at the level of belief that then drives whatever behaviors they have, whatever unhealthy, whatever ineffective, or, or sometimes even toxic behaviors uh, that they have that prevent them from having or experiencing this overall scope of wellness that encompasses both mental and physical, but also emotional and spiritual. I'm, I'm wondering as you're talking about this too, you know, a lot of this seems like it can be really helpful to have an outside pair of eyes to be able to help address kind of what you call these unconscious biases that we have. Of course, when you're trying to assess yourself, it's it's hard to tease out the things that are not super conscious to you or not. Uh, and you, I like how you talk about conscious awareness. 
and how, how we can develop this conscious awareness in life. So is this something that you need to have somebody, an outside, outside pair of eyes that can help you kind of tease these things out? Or are there things that people can start to do in home to start um, identifying some of these patterns in their life? The answer is yes to both. Um, <laughs> of course. I, I, right. Yes to both. Are there things that you can be doing at home similar to the work that you encourage your, your clients to do, right? In the way of like preventative care? Yeah, 100% to like improve their mobility, which is kind of the focus of your work. But can you practice mindfulness on your own at home? Absolutely. Yeah, you can absolutely practice meditation for example, which is the practice of being neutral or non-reactive, non-responsive to the circumstances of your life. You know, I think it was Jack Canfield who once said that life is um, 10% of what happens to you, but 90% of how you respond to it. Well, what dictates our response to the circumstances, um, the situations that we encounter in life? It's our current level of emotional intelligence, conscious awareness, and our personal level, our, per, our, our level of personal growth, right? So all of those things combined are what ultimately dictate um, our ability to effectively respond in any given situation. And so in many ways, at the heart of what I do is I support people around growth, healing, but also cultivating a greater sense of emotional intelligence and conscious awareness, because really life is a game of 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 those things and so you know you can absolutely be practicing things like mindfulness and, and meditation journaling at home that do seek to cultivate um, a greater level of mindfulness conscious awareness but do i believe that we all need a certain level of outside support if we really hope to kind of take things to the next level yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. When you think about it, 90 to 95% of our conscious decisions are made by unconscious beliefs. Well, obviously we can't access those beliefs. We're, we're unaware of them. And so through different modalities like therapy, counseling, or coaching, um, in working with a, a practitioner, we can bring the unconscious to the conscious level. Mm. And this is very important because when we're unconscious of something or when we're unaware of something, it controls us. Mm. But the moment we become conscious of it, we are now aware of it and therefore we are in control of it. Mm. Right? So that's what most people don't understand and don't realize. And this is why Carl Jung said, you know, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will continue to direct your life and you will call it fate. That's so fascinating. And I think something that it, it's, it's similar to like social awareness, right? Until you, till someone points out something that might be a little rude or inappropriate, like how do you know that you should change it until someone points it out for you? And sometimes we're just so unaware of how that's happening. And, and now being able to take that, okay, socially, but internally, and be able to say, well, how am I affecting, how am I coming off in the world is just going to, I mean, think about how that can help your relationships, your work, like every little thing around you. And we start to unlock that awareness and, and start to become familiar with it and have 
the tools to be able to create effective change. And then it's up to us, right? If, I, if I'm aware of it now, I get to choose whether I'm going to make a change or whether I'm not. Where did you kind of start in this journey? Like, did you listen to books? Did you or read books, listen to podcasts? Or did you go to courses? Like, how did you start this journey of saying, okay, I'm going to dive in? Oh, that was a great question. Well, <laughs> any great story is pretty much always preceded by a vast amount of pain. Um, yeah. so mm. I, I laugh because it's ironic. Um, but for, for me, I mean, you could argue that it went all the way back to um, kind of my childhood where, um, long story short, I experienced a, a lot of complex trauma, which is just basically consistent trauma experienced over time and a variation of different traumas experienced over time, which kind of culminated with uh, experiencing sexual assault when I was in middle school, which really served to solidify this identity that relied upon false perception in, in many ways. So because I experienced a massive amount of pain and wounding, I basically decided I was going to be stronger than everybody else. I was going to be smarter than everybody else, better than everybody else, or I would at the very least appear that way on the surface externally, which was really just this unconscious attempt to prevent anyone from hurting me in that way ever again. So of course, I just pushed people away. Intimacy at that point in time, um, allowing people in, um, trusting people to have access to me and my heart was essentially gone. And so it wasn't until 15, 20 years later that I kind of woke up to the reality that like, hey, I think I'm, however consciously or unconsciously, like pushing everyone in my life who even tries to get close to me away. Mm. You know, so I'm unconsciously like sabotaging relationships, uh, pushing people away in an unconscious attempt or effort to prevent myself from being taken advantage of again or assaulted again. Yeah. And so I woke up to this reality and I was like, oh, I'm going to need to do some serious work here mm -hmm. because this is something that I've been doing, right? This is something that I've been practicing or repeating. It's a pattern, right? The pattern reveal reveals the problem for like 20 years. I've just been doing it unconsciously, unknowingly. And Jen, as you pointed out, it took a certain level of, first of all, self-awareness, but then all of a sudden social awareness for someone to be like, hey, do you like, did you notice this about yourself? Mm. And I was like, no. Mm. And then it was like, okay, why do I do that? I do that, but why do I do that? Yeah. And then the answer became pretty clear uh, fairly quickly because there was this willingness to look and this willingness to discover what was behind it. And then all of a sudden it became like abundantly clear uh, what I needed to do. And so that was kind of the catalyzing moment for me to dive into personal growth. And then what did you do then? What was the first, did you seek a therapist? Did you do a course? Like what did you, what was that first action? Yeah, great question. Well, <laughs> um, in any hero's journey, there's always the uh, refusing the call, 
right? <laughs> so at first it was like, oh, that's there. Like that, that pain, that assault, that, that experience is there. And, and so initially I ran away from it. I looked at it, saw it, realized how painful it was. And I was like, I want absolutely nothing to do with that. Thank you. No. <laughs> and which was like in my mid to late twenties. Um, and it was probably three or four years after that, it got to the point to where I could really no longer ignore it and ended up signing up for the, the personal development workshop, leadership workshop that Jen and you and I eventually uh, met each other through or got connected to each other initially. Um, and here I am seven and a half years later and it's my life's work. That's amazing. And it's, I just want to point out real quick too, because I feel people listening might have my same experience. Well, well, I didn't have sexual abuse. I didn't have these big traumas, you know? And so when I was introduced to the work, I thought, I don't need this. I got it. I didn't have, you know, this huge trauma in my life and all this stuff. And, and I really resisted hard <laughs> because I, I, I thought this is great for some people, not needed for me. What do you say for people in that experience? Yeah, well, I mean, egoically, this is the last thing that your ego wants to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, there, there, there's that. Yeah. Um, uh, so, of course, you're, you're likely going to experience some level of resistance around uh, facing or confronting any kind of pain that you've experienced, uh, which is where, you know, the difference between like big T trauma and little T trauma comes into play, you know, big T trauma being uh, assault, abuse, uh, an acute accident, or really traumatic incident, like a car accident, for example. Um, those are all like big T traumas, but then there's little T traumas. And one could argue that we all experience that, mm. um, which is which is more emotional it's it's mental so it's much harder to identify identify for and isolate than a car accident mm -hmm. um and so one could easily make the argument that we all on some level experience emotional trauma or mental trauma because you can have the best parents and the best childhood unfortunately whenever something happens to us or doesn't happen to us, we have to do what in order to make sense of it? We have to interpret it. Well, when we're between two and seven, which is when the vast majority of our cognitive development takes place, over 70%, right? We oftentimes make up stories about ourselves, other people, and the world. And a lot of these stories are disempowering stories in an effort to keep us safe. Mm -hmm. So they are the means by which our ego keeps us inside of our comfort zone. Well, where does all growth happen? All growth happens outside of our comfort zone, mm. right? So because of this, most people are are prone to do, I think it was Benjamin Franklin who once said, most people live the same year over and over again for 70 years and they call it a life. Mm. Right. Yeah. And and that's 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 why, just to give you know some context and insight, into how and why that happens. Um, we, we make up these stories that become our worldview, right? They dominate our perception of ourselves, other people, 
and the world at a very, very early age, right between like two and seven. So of course you grow up and, and you turn 25, 30 and 35. And now all of these stories, um, a lot of which can be disempowering are now in your subconscious. And so they're kind of like running on in the background. They're like the software of the computer mm. really, but you're not aware you're not aware of what the script is, right? Mm. Um, you just experience challenges, right? Because we all experience challenges um, throughout the course of our life. You start to experience challenges and some of those are habitual, right? Repetitive. And you don't know why you do them because the belief underneath the behavior is residing in your subconscious. So no matter how much willpower you exercise or use to try to break through it, what's going to happen? Well, the software is going to take over eventually. Mm -hmm. And we see that we see this in the diet industry all the time. Mm -hmm. What is like the biggest pandemic in the diet industry? It's yo-yo dieting. Yeah. Right? Yo-yo dieting or which is a result of oftentimes binge eating. It's yeah. not a self-discipline issue. It's an emotional issue. Yeah. Right. There, the person is using food in an effort to self-soothe as a coping mechanism to avoid experiencing pain. And so what happens um, <clears throat> when, you know, the software, right, quote unquote, takes over. So they're no longer working with the dietitian. Uh, the coaching, the accountability is removed. Um or they get to a certain level in their results. Well, what happens is kind of what Gay Hendricks refers to. If you're familiar with the book, The Big Leap, you run into this upper limit, right? It's basically your tolerance threshold, right? Which is set in place by your current level of what we've already talked about it, emotional intelligence, mm -hmm. conscious awareness, and personal growth and healing. And so anything above or beyond that, your ego says that's not safe mm. right but it doesn't it doesn't matter what it is it could be amazing things like love which is what happened to me mm -hmm. hey this person's trying to love you that's not safe mm. because if you if you let people in and trust them to get close to you in the way that this person is trying to do right now they're going to hurt you mm -hmm. And I have all of this evidence from the past, very real evidence that was born out of experience to reinforce this unconscious belief that is ultimately causing me to push people away. Mm -hmm. And this is how the cycle plays out for people. Mm. I really like how you laid some of that out there and especially talking about this, this unconscious script that we start to develop, especially in those early formative years and and you've been bringing up ego a lot. And I kind of want to talk a little bit about the ego and what is it? Is it just this internal beast that, that kind of runs off this script? Can we really start to tap into and change our ego? Or is it something that we just need to become aware of? Great question. And I'm so glad that you brought that up, Dom, because most people's answer to like kind of counteracting the ego is to like resist it, <laughs> which yeah. just like really doesn't work. Um because these disempowering stories, um, when it comes to your own personal psychology, they're survival strategies. Yeah. Right? Just like just like I talked about with myself, right? I pushed love away, people away, but that was a survival strategy based on 
very real lived experiences that egoically, um, the self-protective part of my psyche, right? Because that's what we're really talking about here. We're not talking yeah. about ego as in like arrogance. We're talking about the, the self-protective part of your um, psyche that is is meant to keep you as far away from pain as possible, mm. right? Trapped inside of your comfort zone. Yeah. Um, and so personal growth in many, in many ways is like very counterintuitive <laughs> when you think about it um, because we're, we're egoically incredibly resistant um, and prone to avoid uh, pain or even just the very possibility of pain. You've kind of brought up that it's avoiding pain, it's avoiding danger. And if we just think evolutionarily right. um, where, where we've come from as a species, it's just like, okay, I yep. see this big toothed beast. I'm going to turn and run the other way yep. because <laughs> in the past I have seen Correct. the danger that that can bring or going to war yep. or whatever it may be, like our, our ego does have some very powerful protective mechanisms that you're bringing up. <laughs> totally. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And for, you know, I'll make this like really relevant for people who are likely to listen to this podcast, like people who are in the fitness space or the health and wellness space is, is oftentimes how this, how this manifests for certain people, not everyone to be clear. Um, but how this oftentimes manifests for people when it comes to their health and fitness is this idea or this notion that I need to look a certain way or be able to like perform in a certain way in order to be loved and accepted. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause oftentimes this happens really, really early on in childhood with like the introduction of, of sports. <laughs> uh, of course, like we get rewarded for doing well in sports and then it like kind of blends itself or becomes fixed with this part of our identity that needs to be accepted, right? Because Dom, you kind of pointed out when it comes to like our very primitive biological nature in primitive times, if you weren't accepted, if you were cast out, it was a death sentence, Yeah, <laughs> right? It was yeah, a death, totally. it was a death sentence. And, and so a very that that is playing itself out 100% in our in our biology right that is still going on that is still happening um but of course um in, in this day and age the threats that were around you know thousands of years ago are basically no longer relevant and so now how we see it manifest is it prevents us from experiencing intimacy and connection in our relationships it prevents us from experiencing happiness or an overall level of fulfillment in our life, joy. It, it prevents us from uh, breeding a greater level of self-efficacy or self-confidence within ourselves that leads us to taking risks or pursuing the things that we want that we experience some level of doubt around. Right? And so this is a lot of the work that I do with with entrepreneurs who are seeking to grow their business, they often fall into this trap of thinking that like the next level is going to, is going to cost them in some way, shape or form. Right. Um, rather than like give to them. Well, all of that is based on the, the person's individual perspective or perception, which is really directly tied and rooted in their own personal identity. So the ego is, is a very, very important part of, of the overall human psyche. And so the key then is to reason with the ego. It's not to resist it. Mm. 
And the best way to reason with it is to better understand it, right? Why is the pattern playing out, right, in my behavior in the way that it is? What's behind that, right? Or what's behind the fear, right? What's the fear behind the fear, for example? So what's at the root of the issue, like we talked about? Because the minute that we can identify what's at the root of the issue, that's when we can actually uh, solve for it at a root cause level. This is huge. And I hope it's starting to like, just, you know, put that awareness out there for people to start to identify a little bit deeper, understand this concept of ego, understand this, this concept of conscious awareness and what you can do to really start to unlock it. Um, now, did that really have to shift and change? You've done a lot of work, you coach a lot of clients, did that shift and change yep. with you when you recently had your your seizure? You had a huge physical accident yeah. happen. Yes. I mean, great question. Um, <laughs> yes, in short. <laughs> um, because, you know, as you can imagine, being a kind of a career athlete, if you will, it was never my career technically, but a lifetime athlete, um, where did I kind of carry that like high performance persona over into, I carried it over into my work later on in life. So yeah, for context purposes, I experienced a seizure mid-February, ended up um, experiencing a traumatic brain injury due to the fall from the seizure. And all of a sudden, like my motivation, my inspiration, um, discipline, passion was gone all of these mental faculties or resources that I had relied upon for decades to get myself to perform and be assertive and determined and create the success that I've been able to create for my success for myself in my life, excuse me, were gone. And so all of a sudden, all of a sudden my identity was like very threatened (laughs) in a very real sense because I didn't know who I was apart from being able to show up in that way Hmm. because psychologically, like egoically, I didn't know who I was apart from being able to show in that, show up in that way because I've always been able to do it. So all of a sudden I am no longer to show up in this way that has become so second nature, so habituated and for lack of a better phrase, it kind of initiated this identity crisis. And I was forced to ask myself the question, well, who am I apart from my ability to perform? Which brought up, honestly, a ton of sadness and grief. Well, and I, thanks for sharing that. And I mean, thanks for just bringing up some of the, the struggles that you've had. And I mean, this is not that long ago. It's it's kind of something that you're... Yeah. I mean, we chatted... A, Still navigating. Right? We chatted <laughs> a few weeks ago and you were kind of talking to me about how gratefully you felt like you were starting to turn the corner and starting to feel like you were getting a, a little bit of a harness on how to start navigating forward with some of these challenges now. And I think that that's something that really can help people listening relate because just like you said, as soon as you feel like you can't perform in that same way, whether whether you're yep. a mother, a father who takes care of children, whether you know, you're a manager at work or whatever it is that you have as that identity, imagine that suddenly being taken away or imagine being in pain and suddenly not feeling like you can in physical pain and suddenly feeling like you can't do those daily duties that you identify with. Like 
that strips everything away from you. Yeah. And regardless of yeah. like yourself, if you're somebody who educates and coaches people in how to uh, work on self-development and how to identify these things, it is still a pretty traumatic experience to have to go through yourself and, and, and sort out what feels like the scattered puzzle pieces laying about the floor. Totally. Yeah. Well, there's no coming to consciousness without pain. Mm. Because what we're talking about, I mean, a lot of this is, is honestly very uh, rooted in Jungian psychology, if you're familiar with Carl Jung, who is the source of the quote that I just mentioned, which is that there's no coming to consciousness without pain. Um, the identity that I kind of referred to that we all unconsciously develop and take on very early on in life, it, it's known as the admired identity or the false self. It's who we think we need to be in order to be loved, accepted, admired, and later on in life into adulthood, successful. But it's not who we really are. It's not our authentic identity. It's not our true self. Mm. Right? It's, just a, it's just a persona. It's part of our personality, but it, it's not who we authentically are. And Carl Jung believes, and actually a lot of... <laughs> A lot of ancient Stoics and mystics believe that the only way for us to break free from that identity is to experience a certain level of pain that our present mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual faculties cannot deal with. Mm. And it forces us to confront this identity that we have worked so habitually hard to reinforce mm -hmm. and prop up in an effort to become loved accepted and successful right. but it's not who we actually really are and this is ultimately how coming into consciousness plays out for most people it looks like a midlife crisis they experience one of the three D's, um, death, disease, or divorce. And that death can either be a physical death or like an emotional death. For me, it was like an emotional death, right? Because I had these, my mental faculties and arguably a lot of my physical faculties stripped away from me because of the seizure, because of the traumatic brain injury to where I could no longer mentally, you know, um, perform but also physically perform and i was confronted with this question of, of who am i really who am i really without my ability to perform mm. and most people don't know the answer to that question that's why midlife crises are so painful because typically whenever you see someone who experiences a midlife crisis right what is what is happening their life is falling apart yeah right all of all of the former things that used to describe their previous life kind of go away. They experience a death disease or a divorce. So it's incredibly painful, but it's ultimately what initiates them into the second half of their life. So what did you have to do in that moment of feeling a loss of identity? Did you seek a coach? Did you use your own tools? Did you, were you just kind of sitting in that place for a while what did you what did you have to do um d all of the above <laughs> yeah. um yes i thankfully you know jen and i've known each other for a long time so i've been doing this work uh, 
not just not just within myself but um you know eventually made this this my profession or my vocation um but thankfully you know i i had a coach at the time um i was actively working with a psychotherapist um i had a really supportive partner my girlfriend carrie um and yeah i sat with myself for quite a bit of time because when you think about grief there really is no remedy for grief apart from time. Mm-hmm. And I'm not suggesting that time heals all wounds because I don't think it does. <laughs> I think, I think um, time without intentional action um, really just serves to distance us from that pain. But um, like I mentioned, I was kind of already doing a deep amount of work within myself through and with my coach and my psychotherapist. But yeah, I ultimately had to be with it, be with the pain and and sit with the pain and the grief and allow it to consume me so that it could ultimately pass through. Yeah. And I was just going to say again, thanks for sharing all that. And I think that's another important thing for people to keep in mind is that it's it's not like personal growth isn't a, a one day or a one week course that you can just snap out and be done with it. It, it is something that can and will revisit you throughout life through different stages and chapters of life and when when those traumas or any of those three big d's hit like you're gonna you're you might have to sit with it and you might have to go through this uncomfortable period of of growth and and assessment again (laughs) absolutely yeah and and most people don't experience this which is in my opinion the root of all disease Mm. because disease is just what it's just dis-ease in the body well where does that start it starts on the most often most commonly the emotional level right people suppress like painful uh negative emotions because they don't want to sit with them be with them feel and experience them and so that becomes trapped in their physical body their nervous system acclimates to those emotions, right? And so now all of a sudden they start to experience tension, right? Inflammation, dis-ease or disease in the body. And what does that lead to? Physical symptoms. Mm. So with all of this, I know that you work with clients and you do you help people through a lot of this work. And I and I think what's so incredible as well is that you're continuing to do the work yourself. You know, you have your coach, you have your therapist, you have and we know you're working beyond that even physically and you're doing so much yourself, which I believe draws in that credibility to be able to help so many other people. How could, if, if, you know, there is an entrepreneur who's listening to this and feels like this is me, I'm stuck and I haven't really done the work. I've just been getting by, you know, how can people start to work with you? Oh, work with me yeah. um i was gonna i thought i was prepared for you to ask me what's like the best first step but yeah sure like you can go, hop into self-promotion i love it um but how people can find how people can find me or connect with me uh my instagram i am jake kaufman um otherwise my website is jacobkaufman.com but yeah those are definitely the best ways for for people to connect with me awesome Right on. Well, hey, man, thanks again for coming on, for sharing a bit of your story, sharing some tools and ways that people can just start to identify and become aware and look at the patterns in their life and how that might help them get around to the behaviors and the story and the the script 
that they've been writing yeah. all the yeah. way back from before we can really remember anything. And um, can't wait until we get to see you again in person. Hopefully that's soon. Guys, thanks so much for having me. You two, love you both. Excited to see you sometime soon. Love you, Jake. Love you, Jake. See you, man. Another fascinating episode with Jake. That was so good to dive into all of those things and really help you unpack it a little bit deeper. So if you want to connect with Jake, of course, we're going to have his information linked down below. And of course, we're going to have the link to the full body low impact plan. If you're ready to move with us in August and truly feel something different in the body, I am so excited to move with this incredible community in August. And of course, if you heard something that you liked, please share this out with anyone you know can benefit from it. And we'll see you back on another episode of the Optimal Body Podcast.